As we've been journeying through the book of Acts, we've been focused on the ministry, message, mission, and method of some of the great leaders of the early church. Through their efforts with the power given to them by the Holy Spirit and the opportunities that were laid before them, each of them in their own way spread the good news of the gospel and made disciples of Jesus Christ wherever God sent them. As we learn today about Stephen's method, we recall Pastor Mike's message last week that Stephen was ready. He was prepared to live or die for Christ and his church. In the relatively short time of his ministry, he was prepared to give it his all for Jesus Christ and to tell others who Christ was and what he had done. And when the time came, it was crystal clear where things were headed. He also gave everything he had, literally, to die for Christ for the purpose of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. We turn today to Stephen's method centering around three main points. Our purpose as God's vessel is to be filled by the Holy Spirit and used for his purposes and his plan. We're given this power because God has great things for each and every one of us to do, and he has high expectations for each and every one of us, and we must reach out and grab every opportunity that God places before us, in which we will tell others about the power of the Holy Spirit. That whole power of the Holy Spirit is available to them to tell others of the great things that are in store for them when they come to know Jesus. And we all must look forward with great anticipation for that day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. In our scripture this morning, we're going to take a look at several verses in chapters 6 and the beginning of verse, or chapter 7 in the book of Acts as we prepare for today's lesson, beginning with verse 5. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. And finally, to this he replied, Brothers and sisters, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. Will you please join me as we pray for our pastor and for the message this morning? Dear Lord, we thank you for the words that you have given Pastor Mike to share with us this morning. We ask that our hearts will be open to receive them, that he will speak boldly and clearly the message that you have prepared him to give. May his words ring true and the words just reside in our hearts as coming from you to share the gospel so that we can then be prepared to share it with others. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.
want to, uh, well, good morning. I'm just going to start right off. I'm so glad to see you at worship here. You know, I, I remember growing up in this church. Some of you did too. Um, 20 years ago, it would have been tough in here, wouldn't it? Uh, this air conditioning is just nice. Uh, we'd all been stuck to the pews 20 years ago, so we're grateful that uh, various renovations have provided that for us. I um, want to share with you a couple things uh, for your prayer concerns and also celebration. Um, as uh, many of you remember, at the end of the flood recovery time, when, when our ministry was diminishing and block by block was taking over, we had received funds from Sunday school classes from churches across uh, the U.S. that had pitched in to help us, and we purchased with those funds a trailer that says uh, disaster response on it. And we filled it with, um, you know, all those kind of tools that, that groups might need, uh, table saws and uh, wallboard hangers and compressors. And for the last year, that trailer's been in Mapleton, Iowa, helping them rebuild from their flood. But the United Methodist Volunteers in Mission uh, concluded their work over there, so two weeks they brought, ago they brought it to us. And yesterday morning... The trailer was picked up by a group from southern Illinois, just 20 miles south of Marion, Illinois, uh, in a small town there that was hit by a tornado uh, a half dozen weeks or so ago. And they are helping, the United Methodist Volunteers in Mission, are helping that group there uh, recover, especially some of those lower income properties. So I do want to tell you that that uh, piece of your ministry continues on. We did a full inventory of it this week. and. Uh, not only is all the stuff we sent out, but actually other people bought a few more tools and shoved them in there. So um, really uh, pray for that effort as they, they work forward to that. Um, also, um, Vicki mentioned the prayer for the property. I'm going to ask you to turn to that guide. I've done this three or four times. I'm going to give you a couple of hints. Those of you that are looking for a point of reference, first of all, notice that the map is on there different than you're used to reading maps. You've got to turn it sideways to find geographical north. Now, I'll give you another hint if you go out there. Anybody that grew up for a moment on farms or been driving by them all their lives, you need to know this, that the um, soybeans are, not a, are ours. That's what's on our land. The alfalfa is not ours. So if you're used to looking at crops, you say, okay, that's our land. Uh, this is not. But I've, I've walked around it a number of times uh, and prayed for it out there, as Vicki mentioned in my air-conditioned car, walking around the property and sitting on a lawn chair, and I'll tell you what, it's a great thing. And I, I would hope that um, you would all be praying for this. This is the future of, of FEMC in Marion, and uh, a great one we must have. And lastly, you'll notice that our uh, friend Keith is not with us today. He is at Summer Games preparing the staff. We have 20 of our college students on the staff of 60 college students preparing for Summer Games, and we have 370 students going tomorrow. Uh, which is our record for uh, uh, SGU, and so be praying for it. Yeah, that's good news. There's some of them. Yeah. Exciting times. Exciting times. So I've been prayed into this. We've been talking about the message, the mission, and the method. And I want to talk to you about Stephen's method today. Stephen's method really comes to us in three little forms. The first form is that vessels are made to be filled. The first point of that, and let me give you this example. This is not strange for me in the morning, this pose right here, because in this vessel carries the nectar of the morning. 
All right. Can I get an amen from you coffee drinkers? All right. All right. Some of us love our coffee in the morning. And so it is not odd for me to have a cup of coffee. And here's what I know about coffee cups. They are vessels that are meant to be filled. Right? I mean, the purpose of a vessel is to fill it. We, we wouldn't have, you know, a, a communion chalice up here with it empty. When you, when you have vessels, when you purchase vessels for your home, we know that the purpose of a vessel is to fill it with something. In coffee cups, to me, I think the purpose is always to fill them with coffee. Now, that being said, understand this. I'm not talking about coffee today. That's important to me, but the Lord Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit is much more important to me. In the Scripture, it talks about how we are vessels. We are earthen vessels. And we, a vessel is meant to be filled. Therefore, we as human beings, as earthen vessels, are meant to be filled. And not only that, we're not just supposed to be filled with ourselves. The Scripture says this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, But we have this treasure... Now, and that's just not, you know, it's just not a junk. Uh, our vessel's not a, a styrofoam coffee cup from Casey's. Our vessels are, are, are treasures. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, says Corinthians, to show us the all-surpassing love of God is not for us. To show the power that's not from us. See, the responsibility of a human being is to allow ourselves to be empty for God so that he might fill him, uh, us up with him. Have you ever heard that in a prayer? I pray that all the time. God, let me pour myself out so that you might pour yourself into me. Let me be less full of myself so that I might be full of you. That's a tough one, isn't it? Let me be less full of myself and more full of you. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that is meant to be filled with, with the Lord. And when we allow the Lord to, to fill us, then we say like the psalmist did. Remember what David says? My cup runneth over. I am so filled with God that my cup runneth over. And that's what Stephen preaches about, is that the vessel that is human, the human being is meant to be filled. Now, how does one become full of the Holy Spirit? Let me go back to my simplistic example. When I rolled into my neighborhood Casey's early this morning, they gave me three things that were useful to me. This, that, and coffee. Okay? It was important. This sermon would have gone much slower if I hadn't had my coffee, okay? And I intend to have more coffee today, just so you're aware. I'm not done yet. But let me tell you, that's important how we do this. You see, if I had to grab these two implements and put the lid on, okay? If I had to put the lid on and then moved over to the Kona blend that I was going to enjoy this morning and started to pour, we'd have had a mess, wouldn't we have? First of all, the coffee would have splattered all over my tie, onto my shoes, and then the 19-year-old assistant manager at Casey's would have mentioned my errors to me, right? You don't put the lid on first. The most important thing to have in a vessel is filled is to take the lid off, to make sure the vessel is open so that which you want to put into it is able to flow truly. Now, human beings... This is, again, not about coffee. Hopefully that was somewhat amusing little antidote there. However, the point of all of this is as human beings, we have to remind ourselves to take their lid, our lids off. We have to take the lids off the top of our personalities so that God might fill the vessel that is called a treasure that we might be filled with Him. I don't know what your lid is. 
Some of us are walking around every day with a lid that's called pride. And we need to pry that off of ourselves and set it aside so that God might fill us up. Others of us are walking around with the, with the lid on our, on our cup, on our vessel, that's called self-control. We don't like things going out of control, and we know that if we get filled with the Holy Spirit, things are going to be out of our control because we're going to want to do everything the way God wants to do it, right? Not the way we want to do it. We, some of us have that lid that's called independence. Some of us have all different kinds of, of lids and fears on, our, on the vessels that is our spirit, and we don't want to remove them. But of course, to be filled by God... We must be. Look at who we aspire to be like. In Acts chapter 6, verse 5, Vicki read it a few moments ago. It says when they were looking for these, these pastors, these ministers, to lead this mo mo movement, they looked for guys that were filled in a certain way. And it says in Acts chapter 6, verse 5, they chose Stephen, a man full. He didn't like have a half measure. He was full of faith. Now if you're full, that means anything else that pours in runs over, right? So he was full of faith and of the Spirit. The full must be filled. Right? I mean, that's just like simple, right? To be full, you have to be filled. That's first. The filling comes first. Then you become full. And Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. Now the outcome of that is pretty simple. The outcome was that the church increased. Now, it says in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, when you read just a minute ago, go, it says, So the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. It's important for us to look at the fact of the matter that one of our roles in the Christian church is to grow. But let's not focus on growth first. Focus on being filled first, because if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it will naturally flow out of you. And one of the incredible outcomes throughout the generation is that when the people in the church are filled with the Holy Spirit and it's flowing out of them, naturally, the word will spread and the church will grow. Because a church that's filled with the Spirit to overflowing is just uncontainable. That's the first thing in, in Stephen's method. The vessels are meant to be filled. Second thing in Stephen's method is that expectations are supposed to be high. Our expectations are set to be high. And I want to I encourage you and, and challenge you with these two questions because I think Stephen's call in this for our expectations to be high reaches out across all the generations. It beckons to us across all the generations with, I think, two fundamental questions. The first one is simply this. What do you expect of God? What do you expect of God? I didn't say what you expect from God. I said, what do you expect of God? When you get up in the morning, and whether you're drinking the nectar of the morning or sitting at your table reading the paper or reading the Bible, or maybe you're driving to work somewhere or going on your errands, what is it during that day that you expect of God? What exactly do you expect God to do in that day? What are you, what are you expecting the Lord to do as far as movement? And the second question I would, I would add to the first is what do you expect from yourself? We put expectations on God. We also ought to expect very high things from ourselves. I'm not talking about just performance and great things that happen to us during the course of a work day, but what do we expect of ourselves in the life of faith? What is necessary of us? See, our biblical faith is a faith that is filled with wisdom, wonders, and signs. We see wisdom, wonder, and signs happening all the time. In Acts 6, 
verse 8. It says, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. And then when Stephen started to argue his case, it says in Acts chapter 6.10, but they could not stand up against the wisdom that the Spirit gave him as he spoke. He was so filled with the Spirit that wisdom was pouring out of here. Now, let me ask you, in the method of your living and ministry, if you answer these questions. First, do you believe in God-inspired wisdom? Do you believe in God-inspired wisdom? I've been around people that have been praying for wisdom, they've asked for wisdom in their life, and then something comes that's of great clarity. Something opens their minds. And in those times, you know, we have a temptation. Because when our minds get wide open to all of the things that are part of our world, that, that all the, the, the deeper understanding, we have choices. We can either say, like a Psychology 101 student would say, well, you know, that day my synapse were just all firing on the right cylinders. And my mind was clear and I saw what needed to be done. Even though I've struggled with this problem for 20 years, it must have been that the right blend of coffee and my synapse firing just made me see what I needed to see. But I've also said, been with a lot of people who have simply said, Mike, I've been working on this for my whole life. And something, something beyond me today gave me the answer. That's wisdom. You say, yes, something beyond me hit that wisdom. And right there, God spoke to us in, in signs and, and wonders. You know, my Christian friends, we have to understand this. We believe in wisdom as a gift from God, a gift that God gives us. And when we pray for it, we have to expect it. Have we set our expectations high enough on God that we know God will give it to us? And we've set our expectations high enough on ourselves that when God gives us, we'll give him the glory and the honor. We also want to ask you this question. Do you believe in signs and wonders? You know, so many people say, oh, back in the Bible, stuff was happening all the time. People were getting the Spirit. People were getting demons cast out of them. Things were happening all the time. Do you believe in signs and wonders? Do you believe that God actually gives us signs and wonders in the, in the world in which we live today? Do you believe that God can communi communicate with you and me through the Holy Spirit in an effective and important way today? I, I know that, that I've had a, I, I had a friend here a couple years ago called me one day and says, all right, Pastor Mike, I saw a sign. I said, what do you mean? He said, listen, I've been asking questions about this my whole life, and I came to church, and you preached, and it made a point. I drove down the church, from church, I was going down Blair's Ferry Road, I saw a billboard on the side of the road, and it was the same message, and I turned my radio on to ESPN, and it was the same message, and all of a sudden I said, I think God's working on giving me a sign here. I said, you think? you think? But do we see that? You know, my friend Marty Schumacher calls those God incidences. When God lays all these sets, you know, it's kind of like laying a clothes out for a little kid. Put this on, put this on, put this on. Just lay it across the bed. God puts all these incidents for us, one right after another, and so many of us say, well, what a coincidence. What a coincidence that I met the right guy, and we had this 65-year Christian marriage. What a coincidence. No. What an incident of God's great love and what a great sign and wonder that God has given us. I want to show you a picture. Take a look at this picture. You guys remember this? 
Some of you have got to be a little bit older. You've got to be older than 30 to remember this. The question that goes with this picture, that's the United States hockey team in 1980, playing the, the old Soviet Union hockey team. The question that goes with this picture is what? Do you believe in? Do you believe in miracles? And the answer is yes. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. That's how that goes. And the question to us is, do we really? I, I, I wanted the USA to win. I didn't think it was a miracle. I thought those boys played the heck out of a hockey game. That's what I thought. And I thought God loved players on both teams. That's not a miracle. A miracle is a life-changing deal. Do you believe in miracles? I, I do. I do. You know, I, I told you that story. I tell you another one. I, I've never had, I've been fortunate, I've never had a lot of headaches and problems. And, and we, we've had a member of our church that had headaches for like 12 years. And she just like frustrated and she went on all these drugs for... 10, 12 years, and she just couldn't get rid of the headaches. And finally, she asked a few people to start praying for her. And then she came up to me one day, and she says, you know, Pastor Mike, I haven't had a headache in a month. And I'm like, okay. Well, she says, you don't understand. I've had headaches for the last 12 years. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. See, do we believe in that? Do we believe that God can heal us physically? Do we believe that God, do we believe in miracles so much that if we've got that friend that's, you know, doing drugs all the time, do we believe that God can actually rescue him? Do we believe in miracles so much that that hardened heart that we know that's turned themselves away from God can be unhardened by God's strength? Do we believe that even though some people are healed and some people are not healed, we still have a God that believes in miracles, that believes and performs miracles? Are your expectations that high? Are they set as high as God's possibilities? And let's go to the third one in Stephen's method. Vessels are made to be filled. Expectations are to be set high. And platforms are built to be used. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen is being encroached upon by the leaders of the synagogue. And to this he says, brothers and fathers, listen to me. Listen to me, he says. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. He claims the platform. Stephen was presented a platform, and he used it. He used it. Stephen didn't defend himself. He didn't try to make a case for himself. He took the offensive, seizing the opportunity of convincing people for Christ, and he preached, and he prophesied Christ. Let me give you this image. What do you think would have happened if we'd all... This will creep Vicky out a little bit, but it'll be fun. What, what do you think would have happened... If we'd all just come in here this morning and Vicky read the scripture and then the platform was just empty and we were just to gaze on it. What use would that be? What is the use of a platform but to be used? And I say simply and clearly, use your platform. Use your platform platform. God gives you one in your friendship groups. God gives you one in these things we call families. God gives you one in your workplace. God gives you one in your sports league. I don't know what it is, but you don't have to use your platform to defend your faith. Just when given the opportunity, when you're on your platform, whatever it is, it won't look like this one, but when someone asks you a question about the Lord Jesus Christ or says, do you believe in this? Step right in it. Don't be apologetic. Just use your platform. That's the method of Stephen. That's simple and clear. Vessels are made to be filled. Expectations are set to be high. And platforms are used, built to be used. 
Now, next week, we're going to turn our attention to Philip. But right now, before we turn to the offering, I'm going to ask you to turn your attention to prayer. As some of you probably are quite a bit aware, uh, the ambulance was for here. It was our friend Peg Slusher, it looks like, that was just taken uh, by ambulance. We do not know the concern, but you've just heard the word that we believe. We believe a God in a God that can in, uh, engage in our spirit. So rather than worrying, rather than whispering about, let's lay our hearts on God right now. Let's ask for God's healing of Peg. Let's pray. Lord God, we don't know what the concern. We are neither medical professionals, most of us, uh, nor do we have insight into these kind of concerns, but we do know that Peg loves you. Her life and her heart are in you, so we just ask that your hands of love and strength and mercy uh, wrap around both her and John uh, in this most uncomfortable moment. We ask, Lord, that you might uh, heal her in ways that are necessary, and we ask, Lord, that we might tend to her as friends and uh, sisters and brothers in Christ as she needs. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.